Hey everybody and welcome to the Dark Cast. This is DCI number 49 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I got to speak with a couple of developers from Upper One Games. Uh, we talked to Sean Veshi, uh, Dima Veriavka, and Amy Fredeen. Uh, and we talked about a game called Never Alone, which is a, uh, a co-op action puzzle game that's uh, based in uh, Alaskan and Inuit folklore, and it really looks fantastic. Um, we... we <clears throat> We had a great talk about the game, uh, and before we kind of get into the interview, I do want to apologize. Uh, we actually recorded this interview several weeks ago, and I, I kind of forgot about it with other things going on with the website, and that was totally my fault. I like to get these episodes up online uh, much quicker, uh, much sooner to when we actually record them. Uh, so I just wanted to apologize to you, our listeners, and, and the developers, because uh, you know it's, it's been too long for my liking so sorry about that but the wait has been worth it because it was a really great conversation so I hope you enjoy it if you want to find out more information about Never Alone you can find that in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com you can follow us on twitter if you like at darkstation underscore com if you want to subscribe to the podcast we are the dark cast and we are on iTunes while you're there give us a review and let us know what you think of the show and if you want to send us an email you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com as always, thank you for listening. Now on with the show. guys so much for joining us today on the Darkcast. We have a large group of people to talk about Never Alone, and uh, I'm excited to talk about this game with you guys. If you could let us know who we're talking to. Oh, sure, Amy. Is... Oh, sorry. Yeah, this is Amy Fredeen. I am the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer for Upper One Games. I'm also uh, the Lead Cultural Contact, and I'm also a Nupiak. And I'm Sean Vesey, I'm the creative director for Never Alone. And I'm Dmitry Vyovka, and uh, I'm the art director on this project. Okay, very cool. Um, so I guess before we get started talking about um, Never Alone proper, if we could kind of talk about a little bit more of what you guys do on the project, uh, kind of your, your day-to-day um, work with the game, as well as any uh, previous games uh, that you've worked on, or... Uh, you know, if you've got a background and you know you went to, to college for to, to learn video games, stuff like that. Sure. Amy, do you want to start? Well, I'll start off by saying I have no background in video games other than playing them with my kids and probably more often watching my kids. Um, but my background really is um, in working in um, finance and accounting, in particular with nonprofits. Um, also. Um, my role really is is to give the game design team the connections they need to make sure that this game uh, really is authentic to the Nupiat culture, incorporates our values, and you know really shows off our um, the art and the values that we have to offer as people. Yeah, and Amy's been phenomenal to work with throughout the whole process. Um, for me, this is Sean talking. Um, 
uh, we uh, started this project about two years ago, um, and uh, it's a great joy to work on it because uh, both Dima and I have a long history in the game business. We've both been making games for over 15 years, worked for companies like uh, Activision, Eidos, Microsoft, Sony, on uh, fairly large-scale, uh, large-budget titles with big teams. And, and both Dima and I and many of the guys who are on the project now were looking for a way to uh, practice our craft uh, in a way that was doing something that that had some socially uh, impactful outcomes um, and also an ability to get out from our cubes and actually meet people from community. And so when, when we met Amy and, and her team and, and we started talking about the potential to do a game together, um, it was really inspiring for us. Awesome. Uh, okay, and uh, like Sean already mentioned, like uh, I, this is Dima talking and uh, um, I have pretty much, I started as a fine artist. I finished the Art Academy in St. Petersburg uh, in Russia as a fine artist and architecture designer. And uh, <clears throat> after graduation, worked a little bit as an architecture designer and then started to work as a toy artist and slowly was introduced to the game industry. So a friend of mine see me like working with clay and creating toys he said, why well, you can't do that on the computer? And that's basically how I start, <clears throat> start to why work. Can't, why can't you make real art, not that clay <laughs> stuff? <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, so, yeah, and that's 15 years. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm very, very uh, enjoying the project. Pro project is really great. That's probably the first time I got the opportunity to be really creative, not chasing the realism, but actually to create something new. So I'm very excited. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, uh, where are you guys actually located? For those that don't so know. So the, the development studio is in uh, Seattle, Washington. Okay. We have a small team here, uh, which we started specifically for this project. And then uh, Amy's team is in Anchorage. Um, and the community that we're working with is based out of uh, Barrow and Point Hope in the, the northernmost part of Alaska. It's, it's, wow. Yeah, it's incredible. We've, uh, we've had... Uh, we made several trips to Anchorage uh, and two trips to Barrow. We just got back last week, actually. It was phenomenal uh, to work with the community and show them our progress and, and really engage in, in some, some great conversations around uh, the past, present, and future of the Unibet culture. So uh, what what kind of happens at the, the two different locations? Uh, do you have developers at, at both, or is is one more like the business side? How, how does the, that yeah. break down? Yeah, so Seattle is the primary location for, for the development. Um, okay. uh, Anchorage, we have our uh, executive team uh, and our finance team is there. And then, of course, uh, in, in Barrow and in Point Hope are, are members of the NUPAC community. And that's really elders, storytellers, artists. And, and in particular, we've been having uh, a great time working with local youth, um, learning, learning about traditions and, and learning about their perspectives about what, what ought to be uh, in the game and how things should be represented. Uh, and then our headquarters, E-Line's headquarters, is based in New York. Uh, so we have our, uh, a lot of marketing and uh, publishing uh, folks there. So it's like we're really split in, in, in many different locations, which I think is, uh, we've been able to use to our advantage. How so? Uh, well, just a variety of different perspectives, I think, first and foremost, um, has been great. 
um, really pulling a lot of talent in for a game like this. It's a really new type of game. It's a really new endeavor to take on to celebrate world culture through mm-hmm. games. And so it takes it takes a lot of experts um, in a lot of different disciplines to make it happen. And there's really no there's really no uh, you know games that have come before that really uh, we're we're having to do things on the fly and do things new all the way. Um, so you guys just took, saw the trailer last week, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. What did you What did you think? I like it. It uh, <laughs> It has kind of a. Um, I, I don't want to compare it to other games too much, but the, I guess just the. There's an air of um, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. Yeah. About it. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. I, I don't know yeah. if it's just the the mix of co-op and the kind of um, not really fairy tale, but just kind of folklore. Uh, it it also like uh, like mood wise kind of reminded me of Limbo. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Those are definitely then, two, two games that we were really inspired by. I mean, yeah. Journey and Flow are, are others. Um, I mean, we've been I've been playing games since the Commodore sixty four days uh, and making games pretty much since then. Um, and some some of the older school platformer, the retro platformer games, are ones that we grew up playing. And so that's certainly been a big influence in our in our. Um, and our creative decisions on the mechanic side. So with the, uh, you know, obviously it's especially just from watching the trailer, um, you could tell that there's kind of platforming and exploration elements to it right away. Yeah. Um, what uh, what kind of game is is Never Alone? Well, it's what, uh, what we call, yeah, we call it an atmospheric puzzle platformer, um, okay. and that sort of it, it. We hope that 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 gets across kind of the thing we're going for. I mean, Dima and his team, first and foremost, have done a tremendous job in trying to get the right mood and atmosphere in the game. That, just from the, I mean, just from what I could see in the trailer, that immediately comes across through the art. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. If there's one thing that's, that's you know, like without without having any idea for the feel of it, at least the atmosphere is very well translated through that art. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to hear that. That was the initial goal. First, when Sean called me and told me about the project about Alaska and we had the conversation what kind of game it's going to be, and that's pretty much was the goal, and I'm really happy that people see it. Yeah, and, and for us, you know, in the early conceptualization of the project, we spent a lot of time with uh, with Amy and her team and, and members of the community to understand the Inupiaq culture, their values and traditions, but the values in particular, uh, the, the, the value of interdependence. The idea that uh, in order to survive, in order to thrive, you have to rely on one another, and, and it's not about the kind of classic Western individual. It's mm-hmm. really about community, and so we tried to bake that into uh, all aspects of the game, whether it be the, the narrative or uh, the core the core gameplay. And the game features a, you know, a Nuna. She's a, a Nubian girl uh, in a very harsh environment, and she um, befriends an Arctic fox. So these two unlikely companions go on an adventure. And it's really about each of their respective skills and abilities and them learning how to, uh, the player learning how to leverage those different skills and abilities to overcome obstacles and challenges. So the game is a single player game. Um, you know, an individual can, can switch between the characters at any time. Um, and when the second character is serving as the companion character, there's AI to keep uh, that character up to speed uh, and, and following uh, the primary character. Uh, so and then so they, you don't have to control them with two separate sticks? No, no. I'm on no. board. I'm on board. 
Yeah, so you're switching constantly, you know, in, in different situations you're using you're using each one of them. And then um, uh, one of the other big values that we're trying to explore is one of intergenerational exchange. Um, that's kind of a, a mouthful, but it's basically that, that something that's central to the impact culture is the passing of wisdom, the passing of information from generation to generation. They had no written tradition. Everything was passed uh, you know, by word of mouth and, and down. Um, and so um, it was a no-brainer for us. We had to do a game that was co-op so that um, you know siblings could play, friends could play, parents and kids or grandparents and kids could play. And the idea is that uh, as they're playing, it's first and foremost an entertainment. You know, it's a, it's a game. It's got to be fun. Um, but hopefully along the way, they're learning a little bit about a culture that they may not have known about or had a very stereotypical view of. Um, and uh, you know they'll they'll want to dig dig in and, and find out more. Well, that sounds great because my only knowledge of Barrow, Alaska, is from the Thirty Days of Night comics, and I'm really <laughs> happy to hear that there's not a ton of vampires up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean most people have the view that folks in Alaska, are, you know, they think igloos and polar bears. Um, and we, I mean, we were in that camp too. We knew very little before, um, you know, we first met Amy and her team and what we discovered, which was incredible was, um, they introduced us, uh, first to the folklore and the mythology, um, that have been, that's been transmitted for thousands of years. And when Dima and I read the books and, uh, of the translations and we met people and heard the stories, we were completely blown away at how rich, uh, the universe was, how, um, these really fantastic characters and situations and stories of survival and uh, cautionary tales of adhering to the sets of principles and values that, that, they, that they have employed to, to uh, survive and thrive. And it, it was a completely untapped, you know, canon of material to draw from. And so for us, that was really exciting, especially having come off of titles like Tomb Raider and SOCOM, where they're fictional universes that are really, you know, uh, developed by a bunch of white guys, you know, that are copies of other <laughs> games. So this is a whole new deal. Uh, did you find in kind of the exploration of their their history, and I mean, Amy, please feel free to, to chime in as you are the, the cultural <laughs> attache to to everything up there. Um, what In kind of exploring that, did you find a lot of similarities in kind of the things that, uh, you know, the kind of the stories and the cautionary tales that we passed down? Or was there a lot of kind of original thinking um, outside of the whole kind of, you know, d depending on the group uh, mentality that uh, the the Inupit have. You know what I found interesting, and this is Amy, is as we were in one of our first meetings around this concept, you know, there was discussion around how our storytelling really um, imparted a lot of lessons, and some of them are pretty harsh lessons, and I think there was question of whether or not it was going to be too dark and um, you know, or two out there, and then you know, as we talked about, we were really struck that you know, like some of the grim stories were just as violent and just as out there, and just as you know, hard lessons to learn. And so, for me, it was you know, it wasn't so much that you know there weren't common values there, but this method of storytelling and is a cross culture. So, what's really exciting for me is seeing this new game come out as a really personal way to experience, uh, you know, a story that you wouldn't have necessarily heard. These are stories I grew up with. I have books and books and books of these stories and there's common themes within my stories up here from Alaska, but I bet 
anywhere you go, if you look at their traditional folk tales and um, stories, you're going to find little nuggets that can tie, you know, into a great video game like this. Very cool. Just out of curiosity, how many stories do you have about avoiding bears? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be impossible to count because even if there is a, a common storyline, these stories can vary from storyteller to storyteller between villages. You know, that's one of the really exciting things, and I think, Sean, you could speak about this, too. As you read the different stories from the different areas, or even just villages maybe 100 miles apart, you can really see how each village has taken a story and really made it their own. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible to hear, and even to hear the same story told uh, from different storytellers, different elders that we've met with. Um, they very personalize them, or they change it for the situation. It's a very much a, um, it's an improvisational event, um, and and it's, it's it was unusual for us because we really, as Westerners, have gotten our we get most of our stories from television and film, and you know the last time I was told a story when I was was when I was a kid. Uh, and so to be in, in social situations uh, where really these key members of, of, of the culture there were taking their time out and sharing things that have been passed down uh, for generations and generations, it was really uh, uh, both heartwarming and enlightening. So now the $64,000 pyramid question. Yeah. How do you take all those stories and actually make make a game out of that? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Will, you want to... You want to try? I just can tell. Like, it, was, it wasn't easy. Like, this is Dima talking. Like, we, were, we read a lot of stories, and it's really hard to choose which one is the one that we wanted to make the game about. And first approach was uh, let's make like each chapter and it's each different story. And uh, it was really hard to connect them all together. It's kind of like. Uh, we, we tried. I, I think like uh, we spent a lot of time doing that, and then eventually we decided why not to tell one story. And that's the story. This game is only one story we're telling through the whole game. Yeah. So we found a, a one. Uh, it was told by a guy named uh, Robert Cleveland. Uh, his his uh, new back name is Nasra. Um, he died a long time ago, but we uh, had the privilege of meeting his daughter Minnie Gray, who's now uh, in her 80s. Um, and she told us the story of Kunuk Sayuka, um, and it's about a, uh, a young uh, hunter um, who's everything is going great, and uh, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't give it away, but, but, but essentially, um, th that uh, the eventually things don't go great. <laughs> yeah, things don't go great, right? Um, but, but the the basis for that fit very well with the, our, our level progression that we had in mind, um, and it was it, it slotted in very well. So um, Minnie, uh, Miss Gray, you know, decided that she would, she would allow us to use it, which was fantastic. And then what we did, we used that as an anchor, and it's our meta, the meta story that, that flows through the entire game. And then uh, being, we've been inspired by a lot of aspects, uh, characters and situations and events from, from several other tales that we'd heard, and so we managed to weave those in. Um, so the spine of it is this, is this really traditional tale, which we're retelling. And then um, we've, uh, you know, this team is, has, in, has um, added to it by, by drawing from other, uh, other, other tales that we've heard. So is it, 
is it one cohesive tale that you're telling yeah. in Never Alone? It's it's yeah. not just like a, a collection of almost short stories. Yeah, it's one cohesive tale that's okay. um, with, whose events and some things in inside encounters and things are are drawn from from several different sources. But the the main meta story is is really uh, was inspired by this story called Kanopsaika. Okay. Um, and I think you know one of the most incredible things about this project has been that it's not just us making a game and kind of pitching it over the fence and and uh, hoping that uh, you know folks in the Alaska Native community um, buy into what we're trying to do. It's really been an inclusive process all along the way. Um, so at the, from the very start of the project, um, Amy um, has introduced us and helped us to develop relationships with um, folks in the artists and storyteller community, the youth, and the, as I said, elders. Um, and these, uh, many of these folks have been with us the entire way. Um, and uh, several of them have uh, had a seat at the creative table, really helping to shape the vision for the project and helping guide us all along the way. Um, what's been incredible from a game development perspective is as we've been learning about their culture and, and trying to craft a game, um, we've been teaching game development culture to, to folks. And so it's been a really two-way exchange. Um, and um, that level of partnership, the, how closely we've been working, has been one of the great joys for me and a lot of the team members. And we think it's one of the going to be one of the keys to having a game that really um, speaks authentically and, and resonates with a lot of people. And I think it's evident in the trailer. Um, we've been getting, we had a tremendous response last week. Um, folks were writing in saying that they were really inspired and, and that it, they were really drawn to, to what we were doing. So we got, we got some validation that we're on the right track. And this is Amy. I think one of the things that, and I, Sean, you touched on this, and I really have to say is this really is, has been a full conversation. So even though we were brought in as the, you know, cultural contacts and, you know, really to help um, fill out the story with the team. They've really helped us learn about game development. I remember some of the first few meetings we were sitting down and, you know, there's all these common story um, themes in Alaska Native culture like shape-shifting and, you know, all this really cool stuff. And there are several times when we just got, you know, we threw out these ideas and this is what this story does and we got these blank stares back from the team. <laughs> then they very nicely said, that is not going to work with game mechanics or the storyline. So it's, it's been really phenomenal to see it develop over time. Yeah. Find the balance there. So it's unlike I'm not sure if you've uh, you know in, in, we we were uh, we've been listening to some of your podcasts and some of folks that you've you've spoken with that that have been done kind of traditional games and it's a it's a new um, facet or a new way to look at using games um, uh, in a in a kind of a different way and then the, the process of development has been so different than we've been experiencing so it's a real um, it's really filled us with a lot of inspiration and hopefully comes through. Also, this is Dima speaking. I just wanted to mention that besides just only like try to capture the atmosphere in the game from artistic perspective, uh, I am trying like I pretty much inspired by the Inupiaq art and the Inuit art, a lot of beautiful graphics and sculptures. So I draw a lot from there. Take I mean uh, all the characters. I'm trying to make very like similar at least at least have the same. Uh, feeling like uh, Inupiaq 
uh, doors. I don't know if you saw them, but they're really beautiful, crafted from the real caribou skin. So that's how character looks like. And uh, other characters that you probably didn't see in the game, but you were like, in the trailer that you will see later. It's all, all the inspiration coming from that. And uh, all the graphics, also like uh, 2D graphics, I drew from, like inspired by Inuka card, and that's something I'm trying to embed into. Dima, I think you're selling yourself short because you're not just inspired by your art. You've brought pieces of art that I haven't seen for ages back to life. And I just, mm -hmm. you know, every time I see you, I want to hug you. And I just think it's <laughs> phenomenal what you've done. And it's actually brought tears back, you know, to my eyes when I see some of the things he's done because these are styles of art that have kind of gone to the wayside because that's not what's selling out in the marketplace. So people come and buy Alaska Native art, that's not what I'm saying, is that Alaska Native artists has really have really over time um, shifted towards what you know individuals may want. Instead of a storyboard approach to traditional scrimshaw, there's these beautiful singular pain scrimshaws, but you miss out on the storytelling and you can really see in parts of the game that coming back to life. Thank you, Amy. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it, okay, keep going, Jonathan. Go I was, was going to say, the, um, it seems like the the type of game that Neverlone is is very um, intertwined and a part of who you are as um, people, as, as individuals, and as a, a studio. Um, yeah. But what what was kind of the impetus to to make a game about um, you know Native Alaskan um, folklore and culture? Yeah, it was really driven um, initially by. Um, uh, Gloria O'Neill, who is the president and CEO of um, uh, the Cook Inlet Tribal Council, which is a Alaska Native Social Services group in Anchorage, um, she and her staff, along with Amy and others, were looking for a way to to uh, connect with their youth. And um, video games is, is a really great way because it's um, there's a natural affinity for games, and you know kids are connecting that way. Um, and in some very early meetings, Gloria and and we, we we met together, and she was the one who really posed that question: Could games be used to to um, uh, share and extend uh, world culture, specifically marginalized or, or uh, cultures that have that have not um, uh, necessarily have been treated properly in in, in media? Um, and she also asked if games could be used to to, to transmit information, could it be used to share information from generation to generation and when she posed those questions those were those were really heavy duty for for us as a game as a game developer we hadn't really not considered that um, and so we realized you know that that was an amazing challenge um, and as we dug in as we met more uh, of, of their team and understand how serious they were about this this wasn't something that somebody just had a conversation over and you know uh, great intention but not not the wherewithal to actually in, you know, embark on something like this. When we realized that they were very serious, um, we 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 were the same. We, we brought a lot uh, of our skill to the table, and it's, it was like a. The more layers we peeled away, the more we we started to understand um, how positive uh, work this was, um, and what kind of an impact it could have. It, it really, um, I guess, I would say it's become it's become extremely personal for us. Um, <clears throat> especially like this is Gimat speaking like uh, we just recently came like what week ago from Baron 
and we did the presentation show the trailer there and talked to the kids. And I can't explain how many times they ask us, like, are you guys going to make another game about us? Like, they, they, they really, really were <laughs> surprised and proud about their culture, seeing that somebody else actually get, making game about us, about yeah. our culture. So, like, that, seeing just only their eyes make me so happy. I am kind of, like, ready to make another game about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you can just dive full head into it. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. so there's... Um, there's a saying in science that even to observe something is to change it. Um, obviously, with the with this kind of making, you know, with making a game about uh, about their culture and kind of bringing those older stories back to the surface, um, like kind of like Amy said, there's a real chance to kind of like reignite that passion and 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 bring those things out for everybody. Um, it, with you know the kids being excited and that, there's obviously you know there's there's kind of like a desire to push forward um do you do you see any kind of negative aspect of of kind of of pushing this i know as things get for lack of a better term kind of americanized we lose the ability to kind of well not lose it but we we tell our stories differently and with such a special culture with their ability to share stories with they do in bringing this kind of new storytelling to them do you, is there any kind of fear that maybe it, it won't take so well or, or things will change too much this is amy and you know we have been very cognizant of the fact that you know we have to be very careful what we do uh with these traditional stories and you know really honor the culture it's coming from and speaking personally as an anupiak i honestly was terribly nervous at the beginning that this would end up being an appropriation of our culture and after hearing the initial concept I knew exactly what this was this was a new way of storytelling for our people and it's going to connect with our youth and I think there's always a danger that we will lose our traditional language our traditional ways of knowing and learning but I think this is only an enhancement of it and it really invites the youth back into the culture and I think that's what this is it's an first and foremost an invitation to have a ton of fun playing the game but also it's an invitation to find out more about the culture and I think as people see the game and they see they're going to be curious and they're going to want to find out more and it it's only i think it can be positive in that way and the other thing i would say is that as a people we are not a museum piece we are a living people we're a living culture we have living communities and we have had to adapt over millennia to be able to survive and what i see this is just another tool that we can use to help engage our youth back into our culture even though this isn't aimed just at our youth. We really want the whole world to be invited into this game. That that's a really great kind of um, mindset and purpose to enter into making a game with. That's that that's really that's really awesome. I uh, kind of. Really, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, kind of piggybacking on that. I mean, it it the the way that you're talking about it, it's like get. I get really inspired. It's like there should be more uh, video games about like cultures that a lot of people don't get to to witness. Why do you feel like that's not a bigger thing right now? 
having Hi. having oh sorry, Amy. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. Oh, having having worked in games for a long time, um, you know, the old with the rise of the larger publishers, I, I saw, and this is no secret, that there's with with bigger budgets come bigger risks and and aversion to risk, and there's there's a lot of decision make creative decision making that's based on what's selling right now, and so there's a lot of um, it's very insular. Um, this is a risky endeavor. And I think uh, it's a very hard thing to pull off because of it's not just the normal complications of game development, but it's also this whole other layer of relationship building and ethnography and and um, you know inclusive development. And so um, I think it's 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 one of those things where when you meet someone like Amy, you meet someone like Gloria and their team, and you see how inspired and inspiring they are. Uh, that's really it, it's infectious. It, you know, you want to help. And what we found as we as this as this little thing has been growing, uh, and then into last week where we finally uh, released uh, the trailer, um, you know, I think uh, there's been a tremendous groundswell of support, so that's been good. But it's a hard thing to build. Um, but I agree with you. I think I think there ought to be a lot more games that are like this. I think um, in general, games are are um, we're starting to see with the rise of indie games and, and more experimental stuff just how far the medium can go. And I feel like we've just scratched the surface. Every every kind of art form needs its pioneers, and I think you guys are you guys are doing the good work. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. That means a lot. Yeah, I, I'm really I'm really interested to see how this turns out, and 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 especially get a chance to play it because that you know just from seeing it, the art looks amazing. The story behind it is is really fantastic, um, and so I think the only thing left to close that loop is is kind of getting to experience the gameplay and seeing how how that how both the the culture and those ideas just uh kind of both infect and and affect the rest of us yeah that's uh that's what we're working on now and we're we're pretty uh excited i mean um we're excited to share more in the coming weeks and months and uh you know as as we as we get a little closer we'll be sharing uh, uh you know more elements of the game um and we'd love to keep you uh you guys especially uh, close and and get your feedback along the way um, do you have any any kind of uh, like time frame as far as what you're working with um, uh, for for coming out? Anything you're aiming for? Yeah, we're we're targeting the fall of this year, um, and uh, you know we're we're using the Unity uh, engine. It's been a great um, the guys at Unity have been phenomenal uh, in in terms of the capabilities that engine. It's allowed us to focus on the content, um, and of course the great advantage there is it's um, allows us to release on on many platforms. Um, so, uh, yeah, fall and, and our, our primary focus has been around uh, the new new generation of consoles, so PS4, Xbox One. Hmm. Is there anything in particular that would keep you from releasing on the, the last gen? Um, no, it, it's um, something we're actively uh, you know, considering and working on. We just don't have a, a lot of information to share exactly on timelines and stuff there. Sure. But um, our, you know, our hope is to get this thing out on as many platforms as possible. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, I think I don't have anything else. Jonathan, you good? No, I think go... I'm good. Let's let's go into the end let's game. Let's do the end game. Okay. Well, we like to end our uh, our interviews with a bit of a a questionnaire. Um, it's been, it was inspired by the uh, inside the actor studio. The questionnaire he gives at the end. Um, <laughs> this is a bit more. It's it's more video game focused. Uh, it, it, we try to make it a lot of fun. Um, feel free to jump in if you have an answer. You know, there's a, 
there's 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 points, but they don't really count for anything, and you know, it's, there's no real winning. So, <laughs> um, here we go. We're uh, gonna start out with our first question. Um, it's who is your favorite video game protagonist? Who's your favorite good guy or anti-hero? Um, mine is uh, the male protagonist from Karateka back in the day. <laughs> that guy was a badass. Okay. That's good. Punching nice. birds. This is. <laughs> Absolutely. What? Uh, how did you feel about the kind of uh, kind of HD update of that? You know, I haven't played it. Uh, Jordan, I got an email from Jordan that, that they had released, and and uh, we, I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Have you guys? Uh -oh. I I have not played it. Oh. I I've I've watched people play it. It it looks like it is Karateka to the core. It's just. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Was it just the one question? Well, no, no. that's just it. that's what first. I was just giving anybody else a chance to answer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a very hard question. I mean, uh, I would say probably like the most successful character is a Mario, probably because everybody knows it, and it's like probably the most complete character that kind of proved himself for many many years. It certainly has. He is mm -hmm. he's good at rescuing that princess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this the is... coin. Uh huh. What's go up? ahead. Oh, okay. No, you can go. You can I was just say this is gonna date me, but yeah, my favorite character. It's okay, has we don't judge here. From Atari, <laughs> and I still have a working Atari that I play on. So. Wow. Okay. Cool. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna flip the coin, and the second question is: Who is your favorite antagonist? Who's your favorite bad guy? Uh, again, I'll, I'll 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 start, but um, I thought uh, uh, we we created a, a, an antagonist called Antonio Malocchio in a game called Interstate seventy six, um, and that guy was my favorite because he was uh, he's he basically modeled after my uh, uncle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> I don't know. Do you, I mean, again, like uh, from my experience, like. Last game that I created, it was in Socom, and uh, I really enjoyed the character. At least uh, that's my experience of doing that. It was a Razat, the bad guy, because I spent so much time working on him, and uh, I, I really like how it turned out. Hmm. Hmm. Amy? I just, want, I just want to hear why your uncle was uh, the antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> that's a subject for a longer podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, there's got to be a real deep and, and, and bad story in there. <laughs> uh, third question. Uh, what theme or trope would you kind of like to see go away from video games? What's What would be your least favorite kind of thing in video games today? Uh, the, the, I mean, for us, it was it was always hard. We were we, I worked on the last uh, or three three in the in the last of the Tomb Raider series, and um, it was it was very important to us when I was at Crystal um, to uh, on this issue of objectification of women in games, um, and and it seems like um, that has improved over time, uh, but but it's, there's there's a lot of work to go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I really like. Probably like <clears throat> using games like in a cap uh, capability of the games when people like start to replacing 
gameplay with the cinematic. That's something that was a trend and it still continues to be a trend in some games. So that's something that I'm not really excited about. Hmm. And I would have to say it's not so much a theme, but bad video game music because it's not only that you hear it when they play the games, but they want it on their iPhone, and then you get to hear it in the car, and then you're stuck singing the song the rest of the day. So. <laughs> that I, I will accept that answer. <laughs> uh, now, as as we said through the through the interview, that the the Alaskan folklore is very uh, prominent um, in Never Alone. Um, outside of the, the the piece that you chose to make the game from, uh, was there any kind of small story that stuck with you? What would you consider kind of your almost your, your favorite folktale? Uh, probably Blind Manor. There's so many. Um, uh, do, you, do you have any favorite? Story wise, I really like Year Walk. Like it, it was really nice story. I mean, but that's based on the storytelling, pretty much what we did and. Uh, but no, in, in terms of Alaska Native. Uh, uh, in, ter- uh, in, terms of, in terms of Alaska Native, I, it's a lot of them. Like especially, like you know, it would be hard to tell me like based on the names of the stories, but like the the stories where that involves like uh, transformations, the, the stories where it's like people changing and transform from one uh, from character from one to another, and. Uh, that's probably the most interesting for me because I'm trying to visualize how what's happening there. And uh, as far as the name, I, it's really hard for me to even remember the names of the, of the, the stories. Uh, the particular one I also really like about fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, I don't remember the name of it too. Like uh, the mythical rolling fire. The, yeah, mythical rolling fire. That sounds fantastic. Amy, there any oh, any of your I favorite? Have, well, my favorite stories have always had to do with um, transformations. Um, so I think one that always stuck in my mind because it was a little yeah the the protagonist had to have a lot of trust in this story. There was a story about a young woman who was tricked into being turned into a caterpillar. And in order to um, shift out of the shape, she actually had to get someone to step on her. And I was trying, I still don't understand the lesson in that story, but I was always intrigued with the fact that she just had this trust that she wasn't just going to get squished, that this was going to be her release. So. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, fifth question. Uh, we're almost there. We're almost to the end. Um, if you could try anything else, um, what other profession would you like to attempt? No restrictions. Anything else? <laughs> uh, you know what? Like, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. <laughs> you have a dream job. And, yeah, I pretty much have a dream job. And, then, and the thing is, like, coming from the traditional art and uh, working in the video game industry, it's just amazing. It's, it's different. I seem like I already did my switch, and I'm very happy with that. <laughs> okay. That's true. You did go from clay to video games, so. Yes. Amy? 
That's hard. I, I love my job. It's really hard to get up and feel good as an accountant. So um, I think I have the rare, rare accounting job where it's actually a little cool. Um, but if I think if I was to do anything, it would be to be someone who writes uh, travel reviews because what better job could you have than traveling around the world and learning new things? So. Mm. That's a good Absolutely. one. For me, it would be about, um, I, I'm, I really love the idea of teaching, and teaching kids especially is, a, is something that I, I love to do, and, and so getting to do that, especially if it was around game development or game design, would be phenomenal. Excellent. I forgot to tell you, selling ice cream to kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have an ice, cream, an ice cream man in our midst, all right. <laughs> all right, final question. Um, at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you? Hmm. Amy? Okay, I'll start. Um, I guess I would like for him to say that I am going to live on through the impact I've made with others. And this is a deep group. <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's a lot a of people one. are tempted to say your princess is in another castle. So, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that was a, it was uh, it was a too easy. Exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. That's kind of too heavy. Yeah, I don't think we have good ones for that one, guys. Nothing. All right. Well, thank you, Amy. <laughs> Amy wins <laughs> by default. That's right. You, you guys lose out. Them. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the uh, the end game and for the uh, the interview. Thank you guys so much for uh, for sitting down and talking to us about Never Alone. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Um, if we, if you could just send us out, uh, by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about Never Alone. Sure. Just head to neveralonegame.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, uh, Never Alone Game. And, uh, I believe we have a, uh, Twitter account as well, uh, at, what's it? Never Alone Game as well. So yeah, we'll be posting new stuff soon. So stay tuned. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thanks right, for the time. No problem. Thank you guys, and uh, wish you the best of luck, and look forward to seeing more from Never Alone. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you very much.